0: I think it's a little bit of a couple things. Um, first off, I've been in some of these situations before now. Um, I've, I've played in some big games and had to had to make some comebacks, and I know I have the teammates to do it. So I mean, I, I know that it, what it what it takes to go out there and find a way to win. Um, and then I think um, just preparation. I mean, we prepare for those moments um, throughout the the whole entire season with uh, Coach Eric Viennemi, and he puts us in situations where we have to execute at a high level. And, uh, not favorable situations and so uh, i think preparation and then experience definitely helps me in those moments
1: and finally we are back and it is whew, i didn't know if we'd be here i did not know if we would be here talking about playoff football i'm telling you with about uh two minutes left a minute left i was sitting there thinking to myself what are we gonna talk about? What we, got, what we got we got we gotta discuss this game. We got to get ready for the draft. Like, what the hell are we gonna be talking about? In thirteen seconds, baby, thirteen seconds. We are talking about the fourth AFC Championship game in a row uh, for the Chiefs, and they're gonna host it as well. Still, Patrick Mahomes, outside of Super Bowls, has never played a game on the road. Every one of his playoff games have been at Arrowhead Stadium, and that will continue as. Joe Burrow and the Bengals come to town for a chance to go to SoFi in LA for a, a championship. And first, before we before we get moving, man, I just want to uh, pour one out for Steve Serta. Steve Serta, I'm not gonna pour it out and drink it. Steve Serta's out here fighting it, folks. Um, he's had to resort uh, as someone in his mid 30s to eating Taco Bell for dinner again. And listen, uh, when you get there. <laughs> um, for dinner, yep. You can get it for snack. Hell, you can even get it. You can get it for breakfast. You can work that dollar menu. That's fine. But when you have to settle in and make the decision to eat Taco Bell at dinner, um it's uh something's happened and, and you're not in a good place mentally. And uh so I just wanna let you know, Serta, that we're here for you. Listen.
0: Listen, okay, first of all, I'm not in my mid-30s. I'm 32.
1: <laughs> I still all got right.
0: some time before we, we we start bumping this thing up to mid-30s. I don't know. All right, 34, we can start pressing that button. I'm 32. Allegedly,
1: 32 is what um, I would go with.
0: Okay, it's AFC Championship Week, all right? We just launched a new show at Arrowhead Pride on Thursday, Chiefs Coast to Coast with Mark Gunnels and Aaron Ladd. It's going to be great. I am doing all kinds of stuff this week. I've been working like crazy. I didn't have time to make dinner. All right. I had some meat defrosting in the fridge. I was all juiced and amped to cook some dinner tonight and I had to work too late. And so I just ran to Taco Bell, stuffed my face real quick and then hopped on this podcast.
1: Pathetic. BK, (laughs) listen, we've been here before. Hard work, long, didn't have a time to cook. How far you got to get down the barrel to get down the barrel before you get to Taco Bell? There,
0: there are. It's the, it's the
1: closest fast food place.
0: It's uh-huh. that or McDonald's, and I don't really like McDonald's. I'm an Uber or Eats guy,
2: ahead. so I, I would have gone Chipotle. something like that. See, I don't, I don't, yeah.
0: I don't Uber Eats. I refuse. DoorDash? Are you I, refuse, yeah. I refuse to spend oh. extra money on it. I won't. I won't well, ever then, spend money on anything. Maybe a pizza, but most of the time I'll go pick it up. I go pick it up from everywhere. I don't you're care. You're a real cheap about.
1: ass. And I know and I, and I, and <laughs> It I know is.
0: It's 100%. It. I'm just cheap. I you, refuse to but pay you could,
1: I know where you live, and you could have You could have ventured out and given yourself an additional five to eight minutes and had a host of something where it could have been fresh. So,
0: you you, no, you could have done I get, better. Instead, instead, you're, instead,
1: you're getting... Some sort of nacho bel grande or some sort of burrito that that's not good for all of that. I live in Midtown
0: Kansas City. I know really where you close live. To Martini Corner. There's tons of great places to eat over here. I get carry out a lot, but I was in a hurry and I did think about ordering food from somewhere and picking it up, but I was like. I could wait wait 15 minutes, to go pick it up, spend 20 bucks on this or whatever, or I could just run to Taco Bell right now. It's got
2: Chinese takeout written all over it. They'll have man, that stuff ready dude, for you in five minutes. On. Come on, man.
0: So there's, a China, there's a China me. feast really close to here, too. Yeah. But I, every time I go there, I spend like $30 because I order four things. There's so that, that place is off a- Linwood over by no, no, you. No, that's yeah. a, that's, I don't remember that's what it's a,
1: called, but it's good over a, there, too. A, no, that's, that's China a problem.
2: Yeah, that's a, a new problem.
1: You could have driven over to that Texas Tom on Linwood and I don't just go had to Texas a, your, your whole I don't host go to Texas of Tom. they got they got different kinds of meals all over the place. No, that, you could have got that Texas Tom's Mineride. has been shut down so many times for health code <laughs> violations. Yeah, but not today. You could have got tacos. You could have got a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, come on, man, that's pathetic on your part.
2: Hell, that's he could have it. got it's... Gates in five minutes. Gates would have taken right? as much time as, as going to Taco Bell. You?
1: Let's go, man. Are you kidding me? You could have hit a Subway, something. Eat fresh. There's
2: you a know, Wendy's right a- down the street over there. Uh, that's right? the worst
0: Wendy's ever. I don't go to that Wendy's. Oh, it
2: ain't that bad. It's, it's fine. Not Jimmy worst. John's it's is never. like five every time minutes away.
1: Every
0: time I go to that Wendy's, it's bad.
1: I also I don't eat worst.
0: Jimmy John's. I, I have. Issues. You don't eat
1: Jimmy John's.
0: I know. I like Jimmy John's, but I don't like the people who run Jimmy John's. <laughs> I have issues with them politically, so I choose not to eat Jimmy John's.
2: <laughs> you're I didn't idiot. know we were going to get here.
0: I didn't know we were going to get here. The
1: guy, <laughs> the guy who used to coach Florida... He's the good, guy he, who owns he, Jimmy
0: he, John's and he's an awful person? Yeah, that guy. That,
1: no, it's the guy who used to coach Florida. Isn't that him? Isn't that him where they had him posted up in that picture? The guy used to coach the Florida Gators? And he the looked guy, like the G- guy
0: with the shark?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jim McC- McElwain? Yes, Jim. <laughs> that's who you hate him? <laughs> I
0: don't Jimmy. think he actually owns Jimmy John's. Maybe yeah, the owner of Jimmy John's looks like
2: him. He my looks heart. damn near identical.
1: In my heart, that's why he was okay with getting fired at Florida because he, <laughs> he had a bootlegger club that he had to get ready with. You remember when he left Florida, they immediately invented the and Ranch, which is fabulous. Fabulous. They got that really nice pizza spot over there on Westport you could go to the Providence. Oh my God, are you kidding me?
0: I was Jeez. in a hurry. I had, I had, I. Assumed that I had yes, fifteen yes. minutes because I needed to take like a thirty-minute break to recollect myself, get my thoughts right for the podcast, and then come back and Just level with us. Just I didn't have I didn't have time. What was the order? I got a beefy five-layer burrito, and then That's a good call. That's a good call. And then they have this new... I don't know if it's new, but I've never noticed it before. But it's like a fajita, fiesta, veggie wrap or something like that. It's got black beans. It's got like tortilla strips in it. And then like sour cream and guacamole. It's delicious.
1: What are you, leaving America's Pub or... or it actually Harpo, too. what are you leaving this was harpo's the first time that at two Bell o'clock in the morning has
0: ever not had a line like to the street there's always what are you,
1: what are you leaving box. harpos for our white listeners at two o'clock in the morning <laughs> and then going to get taco bill are you kidding me a beefy layer burrito and b and bk sits over there and sits, i feel gross about call. it am not happy it's good order i've eat i've eaten terrible all week too busy week. Just listen up. If you're not watching this, if Serta just stops talking for a while, it's because he had to take care of business, folks. <laughs> that is a take care of business type order. All right. Listen, Um, it, it's it's AFC Championship week, and Serta is grinding. And I want to throw this one out for the Chiefs. And the first thought that comes to my mind as we get ready after that amazing game, I think we said it last week. This game against Buffalo feels like the AFC Championship game. Feels like the winner, these are the two best teams in the AFC. They just had to play early. All I would like to say is, in 1986, the Mets still had to win game seven. They had that amazing comeback. Obviously, Serta, who doesn't know baseball, has a clue of what I'm talking about. But they had that amazing comeback, right? And, 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 And everything where he said, and Ray Knight scores and the Mets win it. They still had to win game seven. The Duke Blue Devils, when they beat UNLV, sort of still has no clue of what I'm talking about right now. When, they beat, when they beat Larry Johnson and Stacy Ogman and Anderson Hunt and Greg Anthony before he ran into the strippers in D.C., they, they still had to beat Kansas, God dang it, in 91. They still had to beat Kansas in the championship game. And Team USA still had to beat Finland in Lake Placid after they beat the Soviet Union. This is what this is. Like, like they cannot just think what they did against Buffalo and how crazy it was against that team and think, "Whoo, we can take a deep breath. Whoo, now the tough one's over. Because, no, the Bengals are capable, as we know, 34-31 in Week 17. That wasn't that long ago. The Bengals are capable of beating the Chiefs and beating them in the AFC championship game and moving on. If you don't treat this, if make it feels like you, oh, you've taken a deep breath, we can move on. No, you got to play this game. This is another huge game that you got to give complete effort to BK inserta And they got to finish the job, right? All those teams that I listed, they had to play games, but the next game and they finished it off and won. And so it mattered. Like, the, those wins against UNLV for Duke mattered because they finished off a championship. That, for, for Team USA, wouldn't have been the same if they weren't up for gold medals if they didn't beat Finland. Like, they had to finish it off, and that's what the Chiefs got to do.
2: Yeah, and the other thing, like, to your point, I've seen a lot of comments this week about how you're going to remember this Buffalo Bills game, right? And the truth of the matter is this will be remembered, the way it will be remembered, rather, is completely dependent upon how this season finishes. Yep. If the Chiefs do not finish this job, if they end up either losing against the Bengals or they go to the Super Bowl and lose against whomever they end up seeing there, whether it be San Francisco or the, or the Rams, you're not going to remember it as fondly as if they are able to go take care of business against the Bengals and then win the Super Bowl. If that happens, that's going to go down as one of the greatest Chiefs victories in the history of the franchise. If it doesn't, though, if they aren't able to take care of the job against the Bengals, you're going to look back and be like, "Man, remember that amazing victory in the playoffs? That amazing game against the against the Bills? It'll be remembered slightly above the Rams. Obviously, they lost the game against the Rams, but the Rams Monday Night Football game. Night it's like, Night man, yeah. what what an unbelievable game! And then that's it. That's the end of the conversation. It doesn't continue on beyond that. Whereas, like the Royals, you get to their playoff run. And you get to talk about so many of these unbelievable comebacks, and also remember the Johnny Cueto game, and then the way that it finished against the Mets. Like you had more to the story because they finished the job. Yeah, if they that's the next piece to this—that's
1: a great one. The Royal, if they didn't, if they didn't beat Toronto and beat uh, the Mets, that eighth inning, uh, once again, Serta has no idea what we're talking about. That eighth inning against the Astros here in Houston, like it would have, it, it would have gone for naught. Right? Serta? Yeah, totally agree. <laughs> no, but but here, here's the thing, and I, I wonder if you guys agree with this. Agree with me here. Actually, it's, it's a great point, so I know you will. Um, it's huge, though, that the chiefs played them in week 17, because they know what they can do. And not just huge that they played them, it is huge that the way the outcome occurred. The way it did, because they lost to them. They saw how explosive they could be. I I think that's the best Jamar Chase we've seen all season. Maybe the best Joe Burrow we've seen all season. They saw what they can do. They saw the Bengals at the height of their powers, and they beat them. And they know what they could do. They know they can be held an entire half with three points, because the Bengals did it to them. They know they can have one individual player absolutely run rough shot against them and they got no answers for him for four quarters in the Chase. they know that joe burrow can go in there and play toe-to-toe and outplay if need be patrick mahomes like he did and that wasn't two months ago baby that was the second to last game of the season when they lost to them so i think it is very very key for them that they played the Bengals and lost to the Bengals and got to see the Bengals at their absolute best to come into this game to think all right I don't think they're going to need much push to know hey, we got to, we got to bring a real effort there's no taking a deep breath because they got to see that team had they not played the Bengals and seen them face to face before I'm not sure if you know they would have that same you know vigor that they're going to need to have
2: and understand what the Bengals are capable of doing to them. This team needs to be pushed to get the most out of them. And we saw it against the bills. They they knew what they had to do against the bills. They knew Josh Allen was yep. capable of pushing them. And then he pushed and pushed and pushed. And my God, man, that guy earned every ounce of respect. And there are going to be so many fun matchups between those two teams, but it's so much fun, man, to watch greatness on the brink of losing. And that's what made last week so special. You saw the greatest in the world right now. And by the way, Ron, Patrick Mahomes retains that title right now. He earned that if he continues doing this. Yeah, yeah. It it, it suddenly earned again in the playoffs. Um, Patrick Mahomes last week, we got to see his greatness because he was pushed by the opposing quarterback. And I think you're going to see that again this week. I don't think the Chiefs knew when they played against the Bengals the first time around that they could do that to him. Like, I didn't realize that they were going to be able to do that against them. I thought they could beat them because the Bengals were good. But I didn't know they had that. And I think that now the Chiefs do know they've got that inside of them. And so you're going to see Patrick Mahomes at the peak of his powers. You're going to see guys like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey taking this game very seriously. On the defensive side of the ball, you know they're going to take it seriously. I think the Chiefs are their own worst enemy a lot of the time. And what we saw last week is what they look like when they are completely focused from start to finish. And Ron, the final moments of that game, that last 13 seconds, I mean, we're going to remember it for a million different reasons. But one of the more underrated aspects of it is how calm the sideline was. They believed they were going to get that done. They had the preparation to go out there and execute. And I think that's what we are going to see against the Bengals as well. And that's part of why I'm not super worried about them having a letdown spot here is because if you can have that kind of preparation and then go out and execute it, and then also in overtime, follow it up with the kind of drive that they had, I think you're going to be able to follow that up in this game against a team that beat you head to head, what, four or five weeks ago now, I think you're going to be able to put everything together in this one against the Bengals, especially being at home this time.
0: Uh, we've talked about this Chiefs team a, a ton that, yeah, they have to be pushed and that sometimes they sleepwalk. Like so That week, that, that week so 17 game, they had to win out to get the one seat in the AFC. And I don't think they showed up to that game in Cincinnati respecting the Bengals enough. And, Somebody and said it,
1: they were going to do that.
0: And, and, and it burned them because... I, I do think that sometimes they're so, so good, and they're so talented, and they've done so much winning, even when you can question the effort at times, that sometimes they overlook football teams. So, yeah, that game is going to be huge. It's also Joe Burrow, his one-two playoff game, super impressive, first-time quarterback making it to an NFL postseason. This is a different level of pressure, and we saw what their experience we saw their experience and where it matters last week really because they had they needed that wake up call tj watt scoop and score against the pittsburgh Steelers to say okay we got to flip this thing and get going and then they knew going into this game this is the team that can beat us this is the team that can literally take us down and so coming into this game i don't think that they think cincinnati is going to win but i think that they've got respect for Cincinnati that they didn't have the first time they played.
1: And they are so frustrating, but it it is, I can tell you, it's a godsend that they played them because if they had not played them, I think there would be a concern of, or at least a thought of, we are just going to kind of do what we do. And eventually we'll take this game. Like they did it with the Steelers. They played the Steelers and they knew that they could turn it on and flip the switch at any moment and get it done, and they flipped the switch when they needed to, when T.J. Watt scooped and scored, as as as, uh, as Serta just talked about. Then they flipped the switch, and then, bam. All right, now we got to go. They tried to flip the switch back with the Bengals, and it didn't work, and the Bengals got them. I think they know now from the jump what they got to do, and it is huge that they've already played them, and I think that's going to be the biggest key to this game, that they will – They will take like I. I think as we talk, I think they were surprised Jamar Chase was that good and that uncoverable. I think they were surprised that Joe Burrow was that cool under pressure and and could could just make throws easy and knew exactly where he was going to go. I don't think they will be this time.
2: Patrick Mahomes in rematch games in his career. This includes the playoffs. This comes from James Palmer. He looked this up earlier this week. He's four and one in the rematch game. 345 passing yards per game on average, 14 touchdowns, two interceptions, a 115 passer rating in his career. He goes off. When he he gets another opportunity to avenge a loss from earlier that season in his career, he typically takes care of business the second time around. And I expect that to be the case in this one as well, Ron. And I, I view this as like, when the Chiefs played against the Bills last week, the reason why I was so worried about the Bills is because I thought this was the year that they were actually ready. Last year, I didn't feel that way. When the Chiefs went up against the Bills, I thought they were a year away from really having the team that could break through and get get through the champions, right? I, I feel that way. The way that I felt about the Bills last year is how I feel about the Bengals this year. The Bengals are going to be there. They're going to be a team to be reckoned with for years to come. Joe Burrow is legit. He's really good. And Jamar Chase is a superstar. Like If you were starting a team right now, I can't imagine there are many, if any, wide receivers that you would take today over Jamar Chase. But that being said, there's more that you need than just a really good receiver, a really good quarterback, and a couple of good pieces around them. You need to have a little bit of the callus that's grown on your hands from going through these battles, man. And the Chiefs have those. They know what it takes in the final moments of a game to be able to overcome a deficit. They know what it takes when you go into the halftime and you're down by 13, 20 against the Patriots, whoever it may be, and you got to come back. And that's something you got to build. This is what, I mean, you look back to the late 80s, early 90s with Michael, right? You got to get through the bad boy Pistons and eventually you can break through. The Bengals haven't had those moments yet, and I do think they're going to get there, and you're going to be able to see this become a thing just like Chiefs-Bills did, but they're not there just yet, and this is the Chiefs' opportunity to remind everybody, we've done this. We've been through these battles, and we just went through a war against the Bills. Now's our time to remind the Bengals that hey, you still got a little bit of this process to mm. go through before you're at our level.
1: Hell yeah. Boy, I'm telling you, that that got me going right there, Tiger. I tell you right there,
2: Tiger. That got me going right there, Tiger.
1: I'm telling you, look at BK in the place to be, man. That's beautiful. Boy, you got me going there, Tiger. dog! I can't wait for this AFC Championship game
2: week. BK sound like Lou Holtz in here. I <laughs> like, I am curious, Ron, because like last year, last week, I, I texted you like Tuesday. I had, like, notes ready to go. I was like, man, I'm ready. I am fired Lord. up for this game. It was a different level of, of anticipation. And, and the one thing that I will say, like, I the don't
1: That's the Chiefs got to fight. Like, you're I, at a I know. level.
2: The, the you thing that us, I am – You sent
1: us, us some BS notes earlier this week. That, you know, <laughs> we could all tell your heart wasn't really in them. But, like, this is different. and I, And the Chiefs have to guard against that.
2: Like, 100% but it, it does feel different right like I, I I, can't remember the last time in a playoff matchup where I have done this much looking back the week of we're like this is the AFC championship week and so much of the conversation we're recording this on Thursday night people probably listen to this Friday on the way to work and they're probably still having conversations honestly at the water cooler about the game from last Sunday I'm having right. conversations in my own personal life still about last Sunday's game. That is so unbelievably rare. Normally by this time in the week, everybody's turned their page. We're on to Cincinnati, right? Because that felt, like the, that felt like that felt like almost a championship. Yeah, like that and, and, and that's, like that's the, the only thing that ha- gives me any sort of pause in this game because yes. I do think that the Chiefs are like just flat out a better football team.
1: No, I I hear you. So that, that they got to guard against that. I mean, they really do in this game. And the, the thing that makes you nervous about the Chiefs, and I'll I'll move on to when the Chiefs have the ball. The thing that makes you nervous about the Chiefs when they have to find motivation within themselves that that makes you nervous because they aren't easily motivated by themselves. They're not just motivated by saying, "Hey, let's go out here and prove these jokers wrong." They'll just they'll they'll do enough to win. And be pushed and now we're doing. They're not a lot. They're not a send the message. They're a flip the switch in between the game, and that that kind of makes you nervous if they will if they will come into it having to motivate themselves almost to a to a point. All right, um, we do it every week here when the Chiefs have the ball, uh, AFC Championship Game edition, and this is very simple uh, to me. Um, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. When you saw what the Bengals did on the other side in the game one uh, in week 17 with Jamar Chase, they ought to to feel embarrassed. Um, I think they are two Hall of Famers right now. I I think that right now between the two of them. I think they are Hall of Famers. I think Travis Kelsey, for me, is the best tight end I've ever seen. I think he gets screwed over when they talk about his blocking. I don't know if anybody saw that touchdown that my guy, McCole Hardman, had. He was shoving Milano or whatever his name is ass out of the out of bounds, but I mean completely sealed the entire side so so Hardman could get in. He's the best tight end I've ever seen in my life. I'm sorry, Tony, in October, Gonzalez, but he is the best tight end I've ever seen in my life. They they combined for 65 yards in the first game against the Bengals. They didn't seem like they were really into the game. Uh, then they tried to flip the switch themselves, and I'll give I'll give them a bit of a pass. I know that was the game Kelsey was coming back from from COVID and then two weeks removed for Tyreek Hill, but they just didn't seem like they were in it. Kelsey caught a touchdown pass and it was let's let's win. We got this. They got to be special. They were so special in that fourth quarter in overtime. The two of them, their greatness was on display. We keep talking about being big plays. We're not seeing big plays from Tyreek Hill. He right there showed in that game when they were down with a minute 50-something left and he, and he took it back at a minute two and just pieced and gave up the peace sign at the 20. Don't, don't you great. dare
2: do that again, Tyreek. They're 100% going to call that next time. I don't give a damn.
1: I, I enjoyed every second of it. Um, and, and I'm glad they put that in their pocket. But I'm telling you, like that dude showed why to me, if I had to pick an offensive player that wasn't a quarterback, he would be the first person that I would pick. Because he's so explosive and can take it away, bam, like that. They got to be that great. Kelsey was huge down the stretch with every big catch, and he caught the touchdown, got his feet in bounds. Tony Romo lost his mind and was crazy seeing stuff that nobody else was seeing. I don't know. I don't know, Jim. I don't know if his foot was in. By the way, how embarrassing is he? Did he just, at one point in the game, sit up and say, huh? I'm so nervous? <laughs> like, what was that? Like, good God, Tony. I mean, God, man. And he's and he's making seventeen million dollars a year. he has got um,
0: the deal now. He doesn't care.
1: Yeah, no, like it. he he got it for saying stuff like that. But anyway, like those two have to be special in this game, right? And and they can't just accept. sixty-five total yards in the first game. The Bengals don't have people who could stop them, so they got they got to go and take this personal and be a different version of who the hell that was in 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 what part of ohio are they south ohio north whatever they are they, they gotta be they gotta be southern ohio I think because I think Cleveland's in the north part know. of the state isn't I Cincinnati
2: sp- on the isn't that on the lake?
1: I don't know I haven't spent a lot of I time I think man. it's like north ohio. northeast I don't, I don't know I don't know why I'm doing that who gives a rip wherever they are they need to they need to be different versions of that because yes they 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 they, they lost the game 34 31 with them giving that, but they—they come on, man. We got to see in the AFC championship game to get to the Super Bowl, those two big-time guys make big plays. They can't show up the way they did in 2018 against the Patriots where they were both kind of shut down by Belichick. There's no Belichick this time, and the Bengals don't have guys that can stop them.
2: I got Cleveland and Cincinnati mixed up. It's the Southwest, which is close to the Northeast, but kind so of I was opposite. Right. It's on so the river. right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Yeah, I was um, right. I was
1: going to say, Cleveland's on, on the lake.
2: Yeah. yeah, The same on the Ohio. lake. Yeah. Beautiful. I, I, I am not worried about them showing up because they show up in playoff games. Like, you can have some questions about what their level of excitement is for some of these regular season games between the Chiefs and whoever they're playing on any given week. Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, when the stakes are high, they're playing their best football, man. In their last five, football, or five postseason games, those two combined have 85 receptions for 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns. Those dudes show up when the lights turn on. So I'm not worried about it, but you need more in particular from Kelsey. That, that dude was unbelievable last week, and he's been excellent for the Chiefs in the playoff in recent years. What he had in the first game is just, you can't have that. And the Bengals have nobody that can stop him. They've got a linebacker, Logan Wilson, who's a really good player. He can't cover, and he specifically cannot cover Travis Kelsey. So he should finish this game with 100-plus, probably get a touchdown, just like he does typically in the postseason. And I would expect something similar for Tyreek Hill. Those guys got to go off. We talked a lot this year, uh, Ron, about their secondary pass catchers. They needed them last week. Last week was the week when you needed them to step up. This is the week that you need your big guys to step up.
1: Yeah, and and they they're capable of. That's the thing is, they're very obviously capable of. And there's no special guys in that secondary or in that linebacking core that can stop them. They can't, and they should they should eat against uh, against them in this game. Um, and, and and one way that'll be big in this is. I think a difference there there, there's interest. There's several differences from the first game in week 17 to this one. And I think a big one when I when I just think about those guys being able to be effective is the last time Orlando Brown didn't play. And he had some sort of freakish warm up injury and maybe he shouldn't warm up before the game on Sunday because they they damn shit on it. With Joe Tooney, who's the guard, was out here playing tackle in this game. Like, they, Was this the game where also Niang got killed? Is this the game early in the game where Niang had the injury against the Bengals? I'm pretty sure this I is believe, the game. I believe so. It um, was he early, goes out. So the they just court. had – and Brandon obviously is not uh, is not sure of that, so he's going to go look it up. But I'm pretty he's still, sure he's still alive. If, if that's football, football did. Yeah, he took He had the bad injury, so he had to go out. Wiley Wiley, Wiley played in.
2: this one. Now, that was a different game. Wiley was their starter in this one. Was he?
1: Good Lord, I thought that was. The, I thought this was the game. the got injured. Now Serta doesn't trust it, so he's going to go look it up. Because <laughs> I'm I, I'm, I, I am you. pretty sure. I'm pretty. sure. I, I trust me, I don't. Uh, but. But anyway, like, like Tooney is out playing left tackle in the game. Orlando Brown being back. And and listen, I, think right. you, I know. I, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. That so I was in the end game. Yeah, I remember yeah. running. I just remember. They got listen. hurt really early in the first quarter. Yes, I wow. cannot watch injuries, and I dip set out of the room when they kept going <laughs> back and showing it. I remember where they were on that field. All right, I was just going to let you come back and let the listeners say, no, BK's off on this. But anyway, (laughs) uh, no, They listen, Hendrickson is, he is the one guy on this team that can really wreck it. And he primarily lines up on uh, the side against the left tackle. And you need Orlando Brown to be the Pro Bowl left tackle he is this year. Then he's got to step up and play and be there. And this offensive line, they should be in as full attack as they have been because in that game, they were all in shambles. They have both tackles are out of the game early. Joe Tooney's got to play left tackle. Nick Carlegetti, who's got to play out of position or a guard or whatever. This this isn't the setup that you're looking for. In this game, they should have their setup. And if they're able to protect – I think back to a pivotal play in the second half where the Bengals – chose to send a blitz and they couldn't get it protected and it forced the Chiefs to kick a field goal which was a big issue there in one of their three drives where all they were able to muster was a field goal they couldn't get it protected because on the back end they had it uh, Pat would have had a bit had a a play to be able to make be made if they could have protected him this is this is big the change of their offensive line should be a big deal in this game especially with Orlando Brown being out there against their number one guy that could stop this team that's the only that's the only player defensively to me they have that is capable of ruining the game
2: yeah and I think a lot of people will probably look back to that first matchup and be like but but Ron they they didn't even destroy the Chiefs last time around when they had their offensive line in flux and there's some truth to that But the way that Orlando Brown and Andrew Wiley on the on the outsides have been able to coalesce with Patrick Mahomes this year has been really impressive, man. They are gelling in a way that I I wasn't sure we were going to see, but Mahomes has figured out exactly how to use, especially with Orlando Brown, his massive frame to where he will scramble to almost like a running back move the defender into Orlando Brown to buy himself just a little bit more time and that's what you're talking about with that play where they ended up having to yeah. uh, settle there if Orlando Brown's in that spot maybe Mahomes is able to scramble for an extra second or two buy himself some time and now you're able to find somebody down the field and that's the type of thing that he allows them to do especially late in the season you've seen even more of that so I expect you'll see quite a bit of that. I don't, by the way, think you're gonna see as much running from Mahomes in this game because they play more zone. So I think that you'll see a little bit more yeah. of that. It'll be tougher for Mahomes to be able to get away. But regardless, Hendrickson's the guy. He's the one that you circle on the game plan because it kind of and it's like a lesser version of the Bills defense, Ron. Like they're fine. And if you look at their overall numbers, they're they're pretty good actually in a lot of in, in a lot of ways but they haven't really played a whole lot of great quarterbacks this year. And you look up and down the defense, it's like, okay, you got one dude that I'm afraid of at defensive end with Trey Hendrickson. Logan Wilson's a a solid linebacker. I like Jesse Bates on the back end. He's a pretty good safety. And I think Mike Hilton's a really really good player at at corner in in the nickel. That's kind of it, man. They don't really have a whole lot of other stuff. Like the Chiefs have much more talent defensively than the Bengals do. You got to make sure Trey Hendrickson doesn't beat you. He's the one that could be a game wrecker.
1: Yeah, and 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 you said reminds you of Buffalo. Except I think Hendricks Hendrickson is better than anybody on the defensive line that Buffalo has in terms of being able to get pressure. And I mean Ed Oliver is pretty good, but he's not up to his to his standpoint.
2: And and here Hendrickson sort of- is for the Bengals what the safety tandem was for the Bills. Like the, those those were their special players on the back end, whereas the Bengals have one on the front end.
1: Yeah, yeah to me he's Bosa like. Uh, a, a similarity, probably because they're white is probably why I said that, but a similarity to guys they played. But, but sort of like I, I think you could understand this, why he's important. I think the reason that they're here, arguably, is because of him. The one big play he made against the Raiders is he was the one that was able to strip uh, Derek Carr and set them up for a score and put them in position to be up Against the like, that was the big play that really, if you look at it, separates. That was the possession that was stolen by the Bengals was him coming around and getting a sack on. They don't, please don't do anything stupid like the Raiders did try to block him with a tight end. Uh, that came around and stripped sack fumble, they recovered it, set him up for in a scoring position in the red zone. And that that was arguably the difference in why the Raiders had to try to score a touchdown and not a field goal in that game so he is the one that can, he's made big plays in this playoffs for them that has changed the game for him and he's the one that you got to watch in Orlando Brown it's a lot bigger that he's here than your your left guard having to step out and play that position Oh, right, yeah Steve
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, were you looking for something for me I, yeah. I don't know I, 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 no, know. I, I actually okay, have been impressed with the Bengals defense in the play oh, you haven't him, I, I, I thought that they put together a strong performance against the Raiders. And I thought they put together a strong performance a- against the Titans overall. Like AJ Brown is just one of those dudes who is a freak. So I, I don't think you could do much to stop a player of that caliber in the playoffs. Yeah, he is. But that being said, that defense, like BK was saying is missing stars. Like they've got some really nice pieces, but they don't have stars to compete toe to toe with with the Chiefs' stars, and they haven't seen an offense like this yet in the playoffs on the road at Arrowhead Stadium. I just think the Chiefs' offense is going to be too much for that defense to hold up.
2: I just think that they got a really lucky draw. I'm not trying to say this to diminish oh, I, anything. I, I, but
1: I completely agree. That's why that I, the thought Bengals the Raiders, have... I thought the Raiders had a real shot to get to the AFC Championship game. I said that the winner of that game – I thought could go in and beat Tennessee. Tennessee is a number one seed that I grew up seeing my entire life with the Kansas City Chiefs. They look like the 95 and 97 Chiefs that by smoke and mirrors somehow got a number one seed, and then they're going to lose because they got a worse quarterback. Like, yeah, I I, I agree. They got a great draw that got them here, but this is a different animal.
2: Yeah, and and Ryan Tannehill played an all-time bad game. Like a, T- yeah. Tannehill's not as bad as he looked last week, and maybe you do like R- sort of to your point. Maybe you credit the Bengals for being able to come up with the, those plays, and a couple of them were really nice. But I, I think that was just Tannehill peeing down his leg in a big spot. I, yeah, I you, just I,
1: you hope Pat doesn't throw a pick on the first play of the game. That that you know that'll make you feel better.
2: Yeah. Right. And if he does, I have a much better feeling about the Chiefs being able to overcome something like that than Ryan Tannehill having to throw his way back into the game. It just doesn't – it's not a great formula for the Titans to be able to come back in a game like that.
1: You know what? While we're at and on when the Chiefs have the ball, before we get to when the the, uh, Bengals have the ball, listen, Andrew. Andrew, Walter, Reed, and Eric, going to – ball. This one, Leon, (laughs) the enemy, the two of you, I swear before God, as we just absolutely discussed, all three of us, the Bengals don't have a lot of special players. They really got one. You are a better overall offense against them physically in every way. They can't cover your guys. You should be able to beat these guys heads up. There is no reason. You all to all of a sudden start to get overly creative and start to find things in the deep sections of the playbook. There is no damn reason to be so cute this week. Stop. Please stop. You have the best player in the world in Patrick Mahomes. You've got the best tight end to ever do it in Travis Kelsey. You've got the most explosive player in the game in Tyreek Hill. You've got your line intact. You do not have to get Blake Bell to do some sort of an option to McKinnon to the short side of the field for no damn reason on third and one when you just ran the ball nine yards to get there. Andy Stop. wants
0: to spread the wealth around. He wants no. everybody who works hard to touch Listen. the football. How the hell else is he supposed to get Blake Bell no, no, the ball? No, no, no,
1: no. no this, you this, want Blake this, Bell running
0: routes? No. No.
1: This is not This is not a, this give, give is not a blowout. This is not a blowout in college basketball where the bench guys get to come out and play and we're trying to get everyone threes tonight. No, this is the AFC Championship game. Stop it.
2: Stop in the it. words of our dear friend, Therese Paler, who once said about the Chiefs drafting another knucklehead, not one mo. Not one mo. Can't None. do it. Not one None. mo. I they had it, they had Travis Kelsey and Marcus Peters and Tyreek Hill and all these dudes. He said, you can't have one mo. Not one nope. mo. In the you la- can't in the have last. one mo of those plays. I'm the done, Andy. Two,
1: the last two games. Andy, said, Andy and Eric put their heads together and said, right now, we just got Tyreek Hill to run this thing down into the red zone. And what are we going to do? Let's have the brainy idea in three plays to never, ever put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands. And this will really get them going. Blake Bell, let's just take away the tendency of having him run the quarterback sneak and then bring in a damn option play to McKinnon, not Tyreek Hill. Not you any gotta of guys. You got to get them in a game, otherwise you'll never know if they were. <laughs> and then, and let's go and do this. The last two playoff games, they've done this. Some reason, somebody dug in deep to go deep into the playoff, to to go deep into the playbook to be cute. They somehow, someone said, "Hey, Wildcat, McCole Hardman, Daryl Williams, let's do it." What happened? Scoop and score for a damn touchdown because those two look like they've never executed that before, and we have not seen Daryl Williams in a game since. Stop. Don't do it. No need. There is no need. The cuteness that they bring makes me feel like they are Boise State playing against Oklahoma when Oklahoma had Adrian Peterson and and Heisman Trophy winner Jason White, and they got to do something to make it up. You don't. You don't. They can't cover him on third and one. They can't cover Ty- Ty- Tyreek Hill on any kind of drag route, on any kind of anything.
2: Stop. Run that leak play that they ran last year in the any uh, any Given Sunday moment, right? Oh, run, run that again. Just constantly. Nobody is defending it. You can't. It is impossible to defend. It is indefensible for one, two, three yards. You cannot cover Tyreek Hill when he is sprinting out the way that he did on that play. Just run that. Just continuously run that. Go one way on one play, the other way on the next one. And you'll be able to figure it out. I don't need that nonsense. And by the way, if you're going to run that, like I get you don't want to run Patrick Mahomes because of flashbacks to a terrible moment on the quarterback sneak. I think we could probably kind of move beyond that now, but whatever, neither here nor there. If you're going to run a a pitch like that, an option play, Patrick Mahomes can do that. Like he was running really well in that game. Just put it in his hands. I'll tell you this much. Mahomes is going to actually attack the defensive end. So he doesn't tackle your running back on that play. And it might work. I still hate running it to the short side of the field, but it might work. But giving it to Blake Bell was just baffling in that situation. Yeah, But, Regardless, it, you can't have that in this game against the Bengals because there was some some chicanery that took place in the first time around between the Bengals and the Chiefs. I don't need to see any of that this time around.
1: Sirta, I know Travis Kelsey can throw. Don't need to see it in this game, right? Like, whatever that was, you remember that time against the Denver Broncos when Tyreek tried to throw it left-handed? Burn it. Don't need it. <laughs> don't need it. Oh, by the way, don't last week
2: they ran an actual reverse to Tyreek where he was getting the ball like eight yards in the backfield. Somehow we yep. got back to the line of scrimmage. I don't need that either. Don't need
1: it, man. I don't I don't need it. You, you can play straight up against these guys. Listen, Andy. Andy Walter, if you're listening to me, we know you're great. You're the best play designer since Bill Walsh. You don't have to check up in this game to come up with something crazy as hell that involves... Uh, Michael Burton, whatever Burton's first name is, the fullback in him drop kicking something or him doing something crazy. You don't have to. I don't need to see Byron Pringle show some sort of versatility that he has not shown us before. Don't need it. Do not need it. Does most as yeah, I need or oh, most I need. Hey, McCole Harmon's jet jet sweep. That's it. That's your trick play this week. Don't need it.
0: I th- I think you just live and die with. Andy reads play calling. Yeah, that's you. That's yeah. <laughs> that's just what you get.
1: <laughs> Sometimes Andy
0: does, makes I a mean, bad seriously. call, calls a bad play, and he's like, well, I mean, it worked in practice. I don't know why they couldn't execute it in the game. And you're like, well, because it's Blake Bell running the play. But seriously,
1: what do you whatever. think he was thinking before that? What do you think he was thinking? Well, I'll get him right now here, guys. Blake Bell option short <laughs> side of the field. It's exactly what he thought. Yeah. I think Dave Tobe was like, like, what the hell?
0: He's like, this man. play is going to crush. Like, this play is absolutely – I think
1: play. I honestly believe he thought touchdown. They'll never <laughs> see this one coming. Touchdown.
2: Right? I mean, for sure it's Get not down. first down. I mean, we know that much at, at a minimum. And like, listen, Matt, I know – He could have extended I, the play a little bit. Like he I, know I,
1: I know I should have been fired earlier this year on this show when I made Blake Bell a, a certified or an imposter, but damn, Andy, you didn't have to come in here and, and just – I was kidding. You didn't have to come in here and just try to take this up a notch, so – Seriously, stop being so cute. You guys are better generally. I mean, at least there's advantages across the board where you don't need to check up and be cute. So uh, let's let's just be smart about this thing and and just take advantages of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and, and the other receivers in single coverage. All right, when the Bengals have the ball, um, listen, they carved up the Chiefs, especially after the first quarter. Uh, and, and the big thing was there's no secret. Jam- Jamar Chase cannot be the best. He cannot put together the best receiving game in the NFL this year. Because that, that's basically what he did in, week, in the first time they played him 266 for three touchdowns. You cannot put together, he can't have the best, you know, game of a receiver, single game of a receiver of the season. Like, they've got to slow some of this down. And listen, I'm, I, this is like a, a great basketball player. Like, you're not going to stop him in his prime. Or I mean, you're not going to stop him, but you've got to slow him down. Like, he can't go for 50. He went for 60 in this last game. Like, you've got to prevent something. Maybe he's going to make some big plays. He's going to make some big first downs. But I'm tell you right now, you cannot just leave him by himself against Charverius Ward or any of the other corners cannot do it they've got to slow him down and not make him just go and look like jerry rice and randy moss combined because that's what the Hilly he looked like in the first game
2: so the problem is this is almost a connection that was like created in a lab to give this defense issues because mm. the chiefs defense that they're their biggest weakness is their outside corners. And you saw that last week, once again, with Mike Hughes. Looks like a sniper came down. R.I.P. Mike Hughes. It's very what unfortunate. Oh, man? Too uh, bad he got up and played again. Yeah, it didn't go well. Um, but their outside corners are a problem for them. And they're able to overcome that because of the way that their safeties play and all of the things that we know at this point that Spags is able to do with his defense to make things difficult in the middle of the field. Spaggs' daring quarterbacks – to take the shots down the sidelines. He's basically saying, I don't believe you can consistently make, it's almost like a basketball game, to continue your analogy, Ron. He's basically looking at the other team and saying, I don't believe you're going to continuously make that deep three. Like You're not going to go to the logo and shoot it 10 times and make it eight. I don't believe it's going to happen. And therefore, I'm going to continue to allow you to shoot that. So when you go up against Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, the problem is that's their bread and butter, man. They're going yeah. outside the numbers, and Joe Burrow is more than happy to throw it up for a 50 50 ball, which with Jamar Chase ain't quite a 50 50 ball. It's more yeah. like 70 30 in favor of him. And they and may be gonna...
1: the, they may be the best in the league. I think even as good as as Adams and Rogers in their back shoulder. Like they are absolutely. They are great with that. The the timing and chemistry on the back shoulder throws
2: are amazing. And that's why when you're going up against this team, it's really hard to take him out of the game plan because there's no defense for a perfect throw. And for Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, their perfect throw is what you just said, Ron. It's the thing that this defense doesn't want to defend. They, They don't want to take that away because that's not a good throw against basically like 28 other quarterbacks in the league. You just happen to be going up this week against the one guy or one of few who's willing to do that. If you're looking at like aggressive throws this year, the only guy that threw into tight coverage more often this season than Joe Burrow was Tua Tungavailoa. Tua was out of necessity. His receivers just didn't get open. Burrow's because he's given his guys a chance. He's actually a super aggressive player. So you look back at the passing chart from the last game, Everything he was throwing was outside of the numbers. The Chiefs have to find a way defensively to be able to counteract that. Their typical game plan, it ain't going to work in this game. It's not going to work against these two.
1: And, Serta, that's why, to me, like, this may sound crazy to some, but I hope it makes sense. That's why, to me, the injury that Chiefs fans need to be focusing on as most important is not the guy who actually practiced today as we sit here taping this Thursday night, uh, Tyron Matthew actually got on the practice field today for the first time all week. As important as he is, and I think he is the heart and soul of this defense, and I think he is probably the voice of this team, his injury is actually not as important to watch as Rashad Fenton. Rashad Fenton's injury and what he'll be able to do and if he's able to play with that back it's huge because Mike Hughes, is a problem, an issue, a problem with any of the three receivers he would have to cover, whether that be T. Higgins, good God, whether that be Jamar Chase, stop, even if it's Boyd, he's a problem. All of them. We saw him look like uh, look like the Volkswagen that took out Happy Gilmore came and drove out there and hit him as Gabriel Davis just did a small move, a small pushed to the outside and back to the inside, which receivers do all the time. He fell out like he got hit by a damn car and was out. Like, listen, he's a problem against any of those three receivers. You can win with Rashawn Fenton, Sneed in the slot, and West with help, or Ward with help, excuse me. You can win with those guys because Ward's going to need help. Like, you, it, it, or whoever is guarding Chase, like there's got to be somebody shadowing or over the top.
2: They have to treat him the way they treated Diggs last week. Diggs last yeah. week they bracket covered for the vast majority of the game. And as a result, he he basically did nothing. Now, the part of which the give and take there is Gabe Davis had a day as a receiver that we've only seen from Jerry Rice. And but that, and, that,
1: and that's where Rashad Fenton comes into, into play. Uh, like you feel like you can get better with that. But his injury is very, very key. If he can play in this game and Mike. Hughes can sit down on the bench somewhere. That is, that is a key thing for them. Oh, and Rashad
0: Fenton has been practicing this week, so it's looking positive for him to go. I agree. And I do think you have to bracket Jamar chase. Like, yes, that's just, he can't can't beat you. Right. So that's that's just, that's the only answer. Like you cannot allow what happened to you last time to happen again under any circumstance, but You also can't underestimate T Higgins because it's not totally out of the question that you you spend all your time and resources trying to shut down Chase T Higgins while he might not have 200 yards and four touchdowns. This is a player that's gone off for 194 yards in a game earlier this season. Like he is also a jump ball wide receiver. Who's a big bodied athletic guy who will go up and get the football and Joe Burrow will throw it up to him the same way that he'll throw it up to Jamar chase. So you need the help on Jamar chase, but you need
2: Rashad Fenton to do a good job on T Higgins because that dude is a baller too. And the reason why I'm going fitting there, Ron to your point over Hughes is because of the physicality. T Higgins is a big physical dude and Mike Hughes just can't go up against that guy. Like it's just, a t- it's a terrible matchup. Again, going to the, the basketball analogy, it's like having a really small team and going up against the biggest team in the tournament. And you're like, they're going to kill us on the boards. T Higgins is a guy that's going to go up and get it. And you want to be able to make sure that you've got some size and physicality to go up against him. Uh, I, if nothing else, Rashad Fenton is super physical, sometimes too physical to the point where he's getting himself penalized but he's going to make sure that he doesn't get boxed out the way that Mike Hughes at times does. Well,
1: with the way that you're going to have to play Chase, in my opinion, there's going to be some times where T. Higgins is going to have single coverage. And Rashad Fenton, I believe, is – I mean, his competitive nature is like that's maybe the best part about his game. He's so competitive, super competitive, and he'll be right there physically with him. And I just feel so much better about him being able to limit even big plays with T. Higgins. In the game, as opposed to Mike Hughes, it just you just feel like you got a chance. You just you're out here and crossing fingers if you're Chiefs fans and hoping that, that the ball is off, he drops it or something. Like, so, so that that that's why I to me, the injury to watch in that secondary is Rashad Fenton. All right, when the Bengals have the game, have the ball in this game as well, uh, this is one thing that that I, I, I'm really looking at, Steve Specnola. Listen, I was I was very very disappointed in him in that second half against the Bills because he didn't just do what Spags does. Spags' mo is I'm not going to sit back and just let you have all the time in the world to throw the ball and find people. I'm going to send pl- pressure. If I can't get it with my front four, I'm on blitz and I'm going to send people. To the tune of the first time they played the Bengals on third down and twenty-seven, I'm gonna send a damn house. I'm sorry, Nate Taylor. I'm gonna send seven, all right, all right. I'm gonna send almost everybody that I have uh, to blitz, and I'm gonna blitz. And if you beat me, you beat me. If not, if not, the thing that disappointed me in the game against Buffalo, he was all kind of shook up, and he and he didn't and he wasn't being himself. And he he allowed Josh Allen, and maybe it's because Josh Allen could run the football or whatever, but he allowed Josh Allen to sit back and have time. And if he had time, he was going to kill you. My, my thing in this game to me with Steve Spagnola is, is fellas, what he does is send pressure. He's not going to sit back and let you beat you. And I'm just saying he's got to be smart. Now, it's third down and 19. You ain't got to send, send you know a full house. But it's third down and seven and eight, nine. Do what you do, and I want to see him go back to being spags instead of being passive like he was in the Buffalo game in the second half, which almost really should have lost the game for him.
2: I think that you do that as well because Joe Burrow is more than happy to take those sacks. Like, that's that's part of this conversation, too, because Joe Burrow last week was sacked nine times, and out of the goodness of Tennessee's offense's heart, they didn't beat him, but their defense – did everything they needed to to hand their offense that game. And you look at what Joe Burrow did this year. He was sacked 51 times, Ron. 51. That led the NFL. He took 370 yards negatively in sacks this year. 9% of his dropbacks, basically one out of every 10 times that he drops back this year, he was sacked. That's awful. And this is like... Russell Wilson, how we always talk about how ah, he's got a bad offensive line, terrible offensive line. No, some of that's on Russ because he sits back there, and this is a good in, – in so many different ways, this is a good attribute to have. He's willing to sit back there and wait and wait and wait and make the play, even in the face of a dude coming and punching him in the face, basically. Well, Burrow has that same type of ability – but sometimes it comes back to get him and he'll sit back there and wait and wait and wait. He thinks that something's going to come open and then it's too long and he doesn't have a quick enough trigger. He takes a sack. And last time it happened nine times, you can get him with the blitz. It's just a matter of making sure you get home. Cause if you don't, he's going to carve you apart and he'll find Jamar chase. He'll find Tyler Boyd across the middle. He'll find out in the flat Joe Mixon, And that's something you got to worry about in this game. He's been getting more involved in the passing game in recent weeks, but if you're able to get home with this and that's where the defensive line really comes in, you should be able to have a field day against Joe Burrow in this O-line.
1: But, sorta, wouldn't you agree you can't just sit back and let him have all the time in the world? Like, he'll, he'll well, pick you – like, you you got to do something. You can't sit back and just let him have time because Jamar Chase will get uncovered and Higgins and Boyd will get uncovered against these guys, especially who knows what, what, what Steve's got in mind for Dan Sorensen uh and, and how he's going to use him? Like they, I mean, they got to get there because the the alternative of not blitzing is him having time, and that that ain't going to work either.
0: Yeah, but I think that the Chiefs should be able to put pressure on this offensive line with just their front four. Now Spags is going to dial things up because that's I'm Spags, and so I, I think Spags should dial things up and put pressure on Burrow, but. The thing is, when you get to Burrow, it's not just about getting the sack. You got to try to force him into some turnovers because that's the thing is he's eating a lot of sacks, but he's not turning the football over, especially recently. And that's the big thing with him because he'll take the sacks. The sacks don't even affect him psychologically. Like we see quarterbacks like Derek Carr, who you put a lot of pressure on him early in the game. He's just going to fold the rest of the way. Joe Burrow doesn't do that. He'll keep Damn. getting back up and keep coming at you and keep attacking downfield. So he doesn't let those things affect him mentally. So it's not just sacking him. It's actually forcing him into a turnover through that pressure. that the chiefs really have to do this weekend.
1: Oh, thought. go ahead. Go BK, it, it's a know.
2: good point. And I, I like, it's something that I had really considered because it is true. He does not, he doesn't fumble really. And he does not turn the ball over a whole lot by way of interceptions but what he does do is, like, uh, against Tennessee, you take a sack, and then, boom, you're out of field goal range. And those are the types of things that, like, especially it, – maybe it's targeted blitzing this week, Ron. Maybe that's the way to to frame it. Like, yeah. third and eight right on the verge of being in field goal range. Maybe a, it's possible you do right around the 35 to the 40-yard line in particular. Like, I'm setting up a super specific scenario, but it very well may play I'm out this it. week that it I'm happens. i enjoying the hell out of it. Um, if you're in that spot, that's when you really bring the house because you, you're you liable to be able to essentially force a turnover there because instead of kicking the field goal and potentially getting three points, now they're forced to punt, and it's a basically a three-point play that you just made defensively. So those are the kinds of things you got to keep an eye on because Burrow's willing to take those types of sacks.
1: Listen, yeah, I, I'm with it. And, and, and I think to the point of what Serta said is that this group should be able to get pressure with their front four my last thing of when the Bengals have the ball before we get to the game that's sweeping the nation. Chris Jones, when, when Serta says they should be able to get pressure with their front four, I'm looking at you, 95. Listen, you're, you're the, you, you, when you want to be, can be one of the most disruptive players in this game outside of Aaron Donald. Jeffrey Simmons, who didn't make the Pro Bowl, because you got voted in over him, and I'm going to be frank with you, you shouldn't have, not this year. Jeffrey Simmons has been amazing this year for the Titans and played better than Chris Jones did. The last game against the Bengals, he absolutely dominated their guard, center guard. He had three sacks in the game and seven tackles from the defensive tackle spot, and and that's not even counting the countless pressure he put on Joe Burrow in the game that weren't recorded as sacks or didn't lead to him getting sacks. He was some kind of special in that game. Chris Jones is that type of disruptor. Sometimes Chris Jones likes to disappear. I can't remember a play he made against Buffalo. The closest thing I can remember is on the two-point conversion, he forced Josh Allen to make a more incredible throw to, uh, to Stefan Diggs but didn't make a play. He was tired. He was gassed. He was on a knee on the final play when Gabriel Davis was wide open in the middle of the field because Fags and Andy Reid refused to call a timeout where there was clear confusion. I'm getting off base and getting upset again. But Chris Jones has to pick it up. Jeffrey Simmons dominated that game for them. Three sacks. You need to see the Dallas Cowboy version of Chris Jones instead of the guy who really hasn't made an impact in this game. You remember when the Chiefs were playing in the Super Bowl and Chris Jones just had a takeover time in the third and fourth quarter and knocked down every ball and made every play against the Niners? you got to see that dude coming up. We know they can be had right there. We just watched it last week. Chris Jones has to pick it up.
2: He does, and he's a big part of it. Melvin Ingram is a big piece of this. Frank Clark made a couple of really big plays early on, in particular last week against Buffalo, especially against the run. All those guys are critical, but Chris Jones is the stud. Like, Mm -hmm. I know what Frank Clark's making money wise. I know that they added Melvin Ingram and it seemingly changed the defense, but part of that was Chris Jones, to your point or to, to your credit, Ron, getting back in there a defensive tackle and disrupting from the interior once again. And if you're able to get that, this is the type of game where he should be uh, completely wrecking the interior of their offensive line. And the place where that could really come in handy is in the red zone, where the Bengals have really struggled thus far in the playoffs. They're not finishing drives. They didn't do it against Tennessee. They didn't do it against the Vegas Raiders. They had eight field goals so far in the postseason, three touchdowns offensively. 8-3 to in terms of their field goal to touchdown ratio, you have to continue having that be the case. If you go into this game and they're kicking field goals from the 20, the 15, 10, wherever, that's how you win if you're the Chiefs. You'll trade sevens for threes all day long with them. You just can't allow them to get into the red zone. It's a bin but don't break type of mentality. Chase is going to get his. Higgins is going to get his. Mixon is going to get some of his. As long as you're not letting them get into the red zone and then convert once they get there, you'll be all right, and Chris Jones is a huge piece to that because if you can get a sack down there, you're in good spot.
1: Yeah, he can ruin drives on second down, and there's, oh, he gets a sack, and now it's third down and 11 and, and can get you off the field. All right, the game that's sweeping the nation, AFC Championship version of it, certified or imposter?
2: You're certified, right? Let's get you certified.
1: I'm an imposter. And this week, um, I want to go here. This is very, very specific. Game one, week 17 against the Bengals, the penalties. A lot of Chiefs fans are looking at the penalties and felt like the Chiefs got jobbed in the game against the Bengals. Six penalties that continue to help drives continue in the second half for the Bengals. The penalties in the first game against the Bengals, did it cause the Chiefs to lose that game? Certa, is that certified or imposter?
0: I think that's imposter. Um, well, you thought about it. I don't. Well, I, I don't like being the person that blames the referees on things. I understand that NFL re- referees really suck at their jobs sometimes. And there's some really awful crews who probably don't deserve to be calling NFL games Uh, and that Cincinnati crew might've been one of them. And I'll happily drag those people any day of the week. But the chiefs gave up 266 yards to Jamar chase and three touchdowns. Like you allow a a single wide receiver to set a single game record against your defense. You deserve to lose a football game. So they brought that on themselves.
2: And. The Bengals got the ball back with six minutes and one second in the fourth quarter. and you didn't get it back to Patrick Mahomes. And I understand some of that is because of the penalties. that it was a factor. Like that's that's probably part of the way to put this, Ron, is like, was this a factor in them losing to the Bengals? Of course it was. Yes. no doubt about it. I mean, you look at it, they had six drives that were extended that allowed a first down to the Bengals via penalty in that game. And the other five most recent games for the Chiefs, they had five first downs allowed total in those five games. So, yeah, I mean, the the penalties in that game were a massive issue. It was a terrible crew that worked that game. Meanwhile, this week in the game, you've got the guy in charge who called the fewest penalties per game all season long. So you got a better situation from that regard. But it's imposter in terms of them losing because of the penalties. They put themselves in a position to lose. And if you do that with another guy having a day that is one of the best that we've ever seen by a rookie receiver, then, yeah, that's on you. I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for you losing that game. You, you, you had 10 penalties for 83 yards, most of which were correct calls. Some were bad. And if you lose that way, I, I'm sorry, man, that's not why you lost. That's just a uh, part of the story. It's
1: obviously imposter. And you Chiefs fans out there who are being soft and trying to turn towards the penalties (laughs) the officials were against us. Oh, the Chiefs were playing the Bengals and a third team, a second team, and the the, the officials, they stopped us. Stop it. Third down in 27, you couldn't get off the field. And not that you just couldn't get off the field. It was a guy who had a 50-50 ball. As BK said earlier, that's not really a 50-50 ball for him. Like, that's an easy play. It was an easy pass and an easy play. Right? You had a kickoff return or a punt return, whatever it was, Return, take it back because of a real hold, a real penalty. Kick return, yeah. Like, stop. Stop! You scored three points in the second half. Like you said, they got the ball with six minutes left and couldn't get the ball back to Mahomes. Like that's on you. That's on you. Listen, there. I, I bet you, people watching from a Cincinnati Bengals performance or perspective, probably saw some missed calls in there too. So get over yourselves. Stop. <laughs> All right, the Chiefs just lost that game. Daniel Sorensen, for some reason, ended up on. On Jamar Chase by himself at times, that's pathetic. All right, Steve Specknola was far more of an issue, and the lackadaisical effort and thought that they came out with was far more of an issue in the second half than the damn officiating. So get out of here. It's an imposter in a major way, and I don't want to hear it from anybody else. Can I throw one more out there, Ron? Hell yeah. Sorry. I've seen
2: a story answer. this week that's bothering me, maybe the way that that was for you. Just let it out. So certified or imposter, these comments from Joe Burrow about Arrowhead Stadium actually mattering in any way whatsoever. So I don't know if you've seen this, Ron, but Joe Burrow is out here saying basically, hey, Arrowhead's nothing that I haven't seen before. I played in the SEC. I went to some of the most rowdy stadiums in America. I can deal with the crowd noise. That's not going to be a problem for me. And Chiefs fans have taken this personally. Yeah. And Chiefs fans, I love you. You're the best. The absolute best. And Arrowhead is amazing. I grew up at that place, man. That's my spot. If you think that this was a shot at Arrowhead, the only thing that tells me is you've never been to Death Valley for a night game. You've never been to the Swamp for a big-time night game. You've never been to Auburn for a big-time night game or Neyland Stadium in Knoxville. These places are nuts, man. This is a compliment to Arrowhead. The fact that Joe Burrow is saying Arrowhead is like a college or an SEC environment, isn't that what we all say? The reason why Arrowhead is awesome is because it's like going to a college stadium. I'm baffled, man. I cannot believe that this has become some kind of a storyline when Joe Burrow is actually complimenting the crowd at Arrowhead and Chiefs fans are taking it as if it's a slight against them. This is is imposter. No,
1: I took it as a slight. No son of a bitch. Yeah, I took it as a flight.
2: I listened
0: listen, to, listen to Joe Burrow's entire press conference from Wednesday. Yeah. And he well, all as, he yeah. said about Arrowhead was I played in some of the loudest stadiums in the SEC. Yeah. We're preparing for Arrowhead Stadium the same way we prepared for those stadiums in the SEC.
1: Yeah, his his initial comments were were, were a little worse, and they were made in October. Yeah, that uh, was a while it, ago. That in was, regards not, to that the was Ravens, not this week. In, the, in regards to the Ravens, I still took it personal. I've been to Neyland Stadium to watch Tennessee play Florida. I've been to Florida to watch Tennessee play Florida in the swamp. Shove it, Joe. Don't even do it here. Don't take it here. This isn't this is an arrow. Did you see Neil Smith almost throw his left shoulder out and and, 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 and waste 8, 877 <laughs> calories in 58 seconds? I didn't even know they had a second sti- stick, but Neil was calling for it. He was calling for that second stick, A.K.A. as I call Pops, a guy who I was in his son's wedding. I, I like. I didn't know they had a second stick. He ain't seen nothing like this. I'm sure there's 105 that can be in Needland Stadium, but I don't care. He ain't seen anything like this. I took it personal, Joe. Shove it, Joe. Right up your ass. Wait till you come to Arrowhead. <laughs> He's going to be hungry because there's there's barbecue and somebody's going to have some burnt ends and probably some good bread and barbecue sauce. He's going to be hungry and it's going to be loud. Shove it, Joe. All right, I really don't have a problem with what Joe said, but I
2: I, I, I really you love it You should lean into it, Ron. This is this oh, is really? the one way that you're able to really get the fans on your side, man. But I, People but are happy I, with you for the first time since we've been doing this podcast. <laughs> Just on, lean into it, man. Lean into it.
1: First off, first off, you're the one who picked against the Chiefs last week. Don't no, I that was sort of. Into-
2: didn't you see the comments? That was certain.
1: I did yeah. see that. Listen, there's there's I, written proof that I did not. I don't know how I don't know how Joe Burrow's comments from October 24th got drug into this, but it, it is fantastic. He was talking about Baltimore and somehow got drug into Arrowhead. But but it's pissed off Chiefs fans and they're gonna cheer their asses harder. By the way, if you have not seen Neil Smith bang that drum, good God Almighty. He broke the stick and those cheerleaders are, I mean, they are amazing. They hung in there hitting that drum while Neil looked like a damn maniac going crazy on it. I'm just, it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. All right. I'm most looking
2: forward to Ashanti's performance
1: on Sunday. I know that. Yeah. She's going to lip sing her ass off like she has for the rest for the entirety of her career. (laughs) Um, anyway, I loved her on
2: now that's what I call music six. It was great.
1: (laughs) There it is. Wow. I, I wasn't ready for that tonight. Um, all right, let's uh, prediction time. Uh, AFC championship. Chiefs have a chance to go to their uh, their third straight Super Bowl. Serta, Stephen Serta, who was waffling last week and finally at the last second picked the Chiefs to win by one. Um, what do you got this week? Chiefs, Bengals, AFC uh, championship game. I'm
0: going to be pretty close to that score at the end of the day. I think the chiefs win and I think they win pretty yeah. easily in this one. I picked up 38, 37. And it was 42, 36. Like, uh, that was that's not close. close. That's, 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 that's a close. wide spread. Anyway, <laughs> that's kind of close. Um, but yeah, it's the, it's the Kansas state chiefs. They're going to win this football game. They're too experienced. The Bengals are up and coming young, exciting team and they're on the rise and they're going to be a problem in the AFC. I think like you guys mentioned earlier, they had an easy path to get here and that helped them out a lot. And it put them in a position that they're probably, probably shouldn't have been in for at least another football season. So I think the chiefs are going to win 42 to 28. I still think Cincinnati will be able to put up some points, but the Chiefs should win by at least two scores.
2: Got a similar score. I'm going chiefs win this one. I've got them 37 to 23. I do think that this is going to be a high scoring game. Once again, I think that the Bengals are going to be able to get there. you you don't, you don't stop Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. They're gonna get. They're gonna put some points on the board, but they've had an issue with field goals so far in the playoffs. I expect that to continue on Sunday against the Chiefs. And this offense from Kansas City, man, I, I don't think they're getting stops. Not right now. We'll see what happens in the Super Bowl, but for now, the Chiefs are heading to Los Angeles.
1: Uh, listen, um, in our year of 2022, as uh, our guy Therese Paler would say. There is no way in hell that I can envision at Arrowhead Stadium Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes losing to Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow right now. M- maybe in a few years, but not right now. Not in Arrowhead, not now. Will Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow beat Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes? It's not not happening. Now, I would take the over on the points in this game, which is set at 54. I'm thinking 38-24 in this game. I think it will be a game that we've seen a lot in the Chiefs Chiefs the last couple of years. I think they will get a lead, and it will be chase, and the Chiefs will keep scoring, and the Bengals will keep trying to chase, and the Chiefs will keep scoring, and the Bengals will try to chase, and they'll win by double figures, and the Chiefs will go to their fourth Super Bowl and hopefully play, face the Rams because I have no – uh, no want to to see Jimmy G in this damn game. So uh, I I hope uh, I hope the Rams can take care of business on the other side. But I think the Chiefs win, and the Chiefs uh stake their claim to some history by going to four or three straight Super Bowls, which has not been done a ton. So uh, I think we all sweep and have the Chiefs, and I think we're talking about um, getting ready for a Super Bowl the next couple of weeks. All right, fellas, that was that was fun. <laughs> That was fun. Ooh, I love that woo. That's the Taco Bell kicking in, folks. <laughs> Getting away from him at all. Right here. Getting away from him. My wife just texted me and said, are you okay? It sounds like somebody's falling. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I, I think that's the Houston Texans trying to hire a guy who's never coached football before. Fantastic. All right, fellas. All right. Um, talk to you next week. Hopefully the Chiefs take care of business, and I think they will it's their time again, not Joe Burrow's yet. If Josh Allen couldn't get it done, Joe Burrow can't today. We are out.